Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. And I know it's been a while. I guess it hasn't been that long. I guess since I recorded the last podcast, it's been a while. Anyways, today I'm going to catch you up, let you know why the bike got put on a trailer, a flatbed, what happened in Costa Rica, why I'm at home right now, and my plans moving forward. And, uh, you know, everybody involved with making this happen from Randall motherfucking Wiley to Grand Teton Harley Davidson. So let's get into this. Before we get into it, you know what we're going to do. I got a $100 gift card to give away to Lowbrow Customs. I want to tell you guys about mcshoptees.com, your t-shirt of the month club. Motorcycle Sherpa, knives made by Nick. Uh, Dude, everybody, the fucking patrons, the patrons, dude. Hey, if you want to support this show, go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com and sign up to become a Patreon. Five bucks a month puts money in my tank, <clears throat> keeps me paying bribes to get across these borders. Hopefully, I'll get a little better at that, and it won't get so escalated. Uh, I would not suggest to anybody that they travel through Central America alone, for that matter. Uh, you know, Lowbrow Customs, they support me, and they will support you. Go to lowbrowcustoms.com for all your chopper needs, dude. The maintenance parts, the builder's parts, they've got brands like... Uh, Martian Machine, uh, Marin Motor Works, Lead Sled Customs. Dude, they're fucking bad to the bone. They've even got Cycle Electric Charging Systems. The only charging system you should use on your motorcycle. And uh, right now, we're going to give away a $100 gift card to Low Brow Customs. Going to the one and only Patrick... Cottingham, Patrick Cottingham out of Oak Ridge, New Jersey. You just won a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. Thank you, sir. Go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com, sign up to become a patron, and check out LowbrowCustoms.com. Pretty rad, dude. Those guys are awesome. And, uh, man, couldn't do this without them. Uh Dude, mcshoptees.com, your t-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. That's another, another thing Lowbrow Customs supports is MC Shop Tees and all the local shops, dude. Pretty fucking rad. Uh, this month's featured shop was B&B Racing out of Metairie, Louisiana. Those dudes are fucking bad to the bone. Uh, dude, they built my chopper motor. They built my flathead motor. Yesterday, I took the flathead out to the track and fucking raped the shit out of it, dude. I even hit a jump on a TT track. I went out there with Carlos, got some photos by Bobby, and, uh, you know, that motor is fucking tough. Tough as fucking nails, and B&B Racing is responsible. It was, it was pretty fucking awesome to feature them this month. Uh, I got a a special set of t-shirts for them. We sent all those t-shirts out, and uh, I hope that you were signed up before the beginning of this month so that you got one of those t-shirts. If not, go sign up now. Next month's featured shop is Mad Pin Cycles out of Florida. He is actually 
in Port Orange, Florida. I met Nick three years ago at Loretta Lynn's uh, Motorcycle Music Revival. He was one of Bill Dodge's Bling Cycle Invitational guests, and he built some fucking badass choppers. He's always in Daytona showing off a new bike each year, and he's a rad dude. He's got a cool shop, and uh, if you run into problems in Daytona, hit this motherfucker up. But first off, go to mcshoptees.com and sign up before the month is over so you do not miss this shirt. It's actually going to be a, I'm not even going to say, not even going to say it's going to be a surprise. So thank you, sir. Thank you for everything you do to keep people on the road and building badass motherfucking choppers, dude. Uh, mcshoptees.com. Now, Along with the Lowbrow Customs gift card, dude, we've given away a lot of rad shit over the years. Knives Made by Nick is the fucking man. He supports me, dude, like in so many ways. <clears throat> so many ways. When I call, he answers. And, you know, right now I got him building <clears throat> a fender extension. Like, you know, he did, did the mud flap for my chopper. And we're doing one for the front fender on the Pan America so that I can keep some of that mud off the radiator and out of the airbox. Because when I took that fucking airbox apart, oh my God, there was all sorts of shit in there. And I didn't even, if you saw the picture I posted, that was after I wiped it down once. So you can only imagine what it looked like before that. But Knives Made by Nick is the man, dude. I actually got a knife of his in Costa Rica. And uh, dude, I keep it on my hip at all times. It's very important to me. So get yourself one of those. Uh, we also gave away a trip to Nepal thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. And we will be going back to Nepal in November to ride the stairway to heaven. Go to MotorcycleSherpa.com and sign up now. I know that trip is filling up fast and there's only a few spots left. So go sign up and ride the Himalayas with us, dude. It's going to be amazing. You can also scroll back on the podcast. And find the pod, the, like the road shows I did during our last trip to Nepal. It's amazing, dude. All the information is at MotorcycleSherpa.com. Man, you know what's awesome is I gave away a race bike a couple years ago, and that kid is like fucking. You know, I didn't. It didn't even have a title with it, dude. And that kid's been raging on the streets of Miami. Uh, I still haven't figured out what the big giveaway is going to be this year, but we got something coming, and it's going to be fucking rad. But I got a big mission at hand now, and uh, yeah, just stay tuned. Um, <clears throat> so the next event that I'm going to be at, barring nothing crazy happens, is the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival at Loretta Lynn's Ranch, and that is coming up next month, May, let's see, May 20th, 21st, and 22nd. In Hurricane Mills, Tennessee, home of the Bling Cycles Invitational. They are also going to have a hill climb, a flat track race. They're going to open up the Enduro Trails for us to ride dirt bikes as well. I'm going to be doing a daily podcast, uh, you know, reviewing the day prior, telling you what's going on the day ahead. And, dude, I hope that you guys can come meet me in Tennessee. If you use Danger Dan at checkout when you buy your weekend pass, It'll give you $15 off. And whoever rides the furthest to Tennessee and uses the code at checkout, I will give you your money back. So use Danger Dan at checkout when you buy your tickets to 
the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival. It's going to be sick, dude. And what's happening after that? Oh, dude, we got a bunch of shit going on. Uh, you got the July 22nd is the Chop Wizard Invitational at Raton. Run to Raton in Raton, New Mexico. Do not want to miss that. Uh, Sturgis. All right, so I got... Dude, there is so much going on in Sturgis this year. And let's see, where do we start? There's going to be a fucking party at Sasha's put on by Jeremy. Uh, put on by Flat Out Friday in Mama Tried the first Saturday of the week. On Sunday, we are doing a Chopper's Magazine Chopper Show at the Harley Footprint in Deadwood. Monday, there is going to be flat track racing at the Gypsy the Gypsy, oh shit, I just drew a blank. The fucking Gypsies, oh man. The Gypsy Racetrack, where they do all the flat track racing, where they've been racing for years, where Sturgis was born. Flat Out Friday and Mama Tried are going to be racing. Tuesday is the Sportster Showdown at the Buffalo Chip uh, Campground and Back called something, dude. Uh, Pat said, I think he's going to do some fucking hill climbs and some racing as well. So make sure that that shit is on your schedule. I am working on throwing a party and getting the band there as well. Hopefully that'll happen Sunday night. If you need a place to stay, don't tell everybody, but the Bulldog Creek Campground is the spot, man. I'm telling you, it's not like the rest of Sturgis, dude. This guy cooks home-cooked meals every day. There's a different special. he got a smoker going. It's a, you know, a more quiet campground, if you will. Uh, but you can still get crazy. It's pretty awesome. So that's Sturgis. Um, August 26th is going to be the Virginia City Roundup in Virginia City, a chopper show and a rodeo. Does it get any better than that? I don't fucking think so, dude. And then September 10th is going to be Party at the Pen, a chopper show at a penitentiary in Boise, Ohio. Check out Chop Merchandise for more information on that. And... Uh, I think party at the pen on the gram. Uh, now, Choppers Magazine, dude, I want to give a special shout out to those guys. Carrie and Josh are fucking amazing. And Carrie is pretty much just letting me run with uh, the article I get to write for them each, uh, each, each episode, no, each magazine. And, uh, dude, it's pretty fucking rad. The, the article that's coming out, or the magazine that's coming out now, I mean, I think it should ship like any day is got Josh Brolin on the front cover, and it's got the article I did for the Mint 400, which they titled No Country for Old Bikes. Super fucking rad. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Hopefully you get a copy. He's selling subscriptions now, and I am going to be documenting this trip that I am on in the upcoming uh, magazine. So go sign up, get a subscription so that you can have a hard copy documenting this trip I'm on. Now, uh, this trip I'm on, what a fucking trip it's been. I don't know if you've listened to the past three episodes. It started with the Mezcal Moto Rally, which took me and 15 people to Oaxaca in three days. And then I continued on and rode through the gauntlet, which is South America or Central America. And holy shit, dude. Uh, you know, getting attacked by Donald Trump and Barack Obama, and then, you know, bribing my way into these countries, and the bribes just kept growing, and it got more and more difficult. I lost my license in Honduras. Uh, dude, they thought I was fucking, like, paramilitary and 
when they found my drone in Nicaragua. I found out in El Salvador. Dude, days before, like a week before I got to El Salvador, they had just put the whole country under house arrest because a couple days before that, uh, the government, I guess, pissed off the MS-13, I believe was the gang, and they just went around the country and started shooting people randomly. So then the government put everybody on lockdown and went, went around and pretty much, you know, they sent their thugs out to round up anybody that had a 13 tattooed on them and made those motherfuckers disappear. And then I show up days later, like, what the fuck, man? Uh, pretty wild. El Salvador is fucking beautiful, though. I wish I could have spent more time. Guatemala, oh, my God, the traffic there was fucking insane. Uh, Honduras, you know, getting attacked by masked individuals, having to go to a police station. I didn't even go to the police station to tell them about that. I just needed paperwork saying my license was fucking stolen. And then uh, Nicaragua and then Costa Rica. And that's where I left you off. Uh, on the last podcast was me just like pondering life on the beach in Costa Rica. And I talked about maybe, you know, so I went down there to see my buddy Terry and get some advice from him. And he, he gave me, he gave me all the advice I wanted and more. And he pointed out that I had ridden Harley Davidson's new Pan America down the Pan America highway to get to him. And I hadn't looked it up or even, you know, I was just on a mission, you know, first off the Mezcal Moto Rally and then, uh, you know, go see him in Costa Rica. And, dude, sure enough, man, I fucking, when I left Texas, now, there's a there's a handful of, like, depending on what sites you find as to what exactly the Pan America Highway is, but the one that I've seen was pretty much the exact route I took from Austin through San Antonio down to Monterey. Uh, through Mexico City, down to Oaxaca, uh, through Chiapas, through Guatemala, El Salvador, and then Nicaragua, or Honduras, then Nicaragua, and Costa Rica. And he pointed out that I had ridden the Pan America down the Pan America Highway. And what's crazy is when I was going through, I think it was Nicaragua, is my GPS kept telling me, get back on the Pan America Highway and head south. And I was like, God damn, I'm on the Pan America riding down the Pan America Highway. It was uh, pretty wild. But even then, I hadn't, you know, I'm still just going to see my buddy Terry in Costa Rica. And I get to Costa Rica, dude. We hung out on the beach for like three days. We fucking drank all the mezcal I brought. We fucking ate acid under a full moon. We surfed. Terry cooked us meals each day. He even had his buddy Trace there. Trace was like the fucking sous chef preparing everything. I helped out a little bit, but not really not much. Dude, I just ate all the food and hung out and enjoyed their company. And it was a beautiful time. And uh, one thing Terry pointed out, he was like, dude, so yeah, you've made it this far, but here's the thing, Dan, the Pan America Highway doesn't end in Costa Rica. You need to take that motherfucker to the end. I mean, isn't this what you do? And I'm like, well, that's, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, fuck. It, I ride motorcycles and I happen to be, you know, why not, why not tackle it? I mean, <clears throat> let's prove that this motorcycle can do it, you know. Uh, this, this trail's been ridden on, you know, fuck, choppers have done it, BMWs have done it, KTMs have, you know, a lot of bikes have done it, but this Pan America has not done it yet. It hasn't done South America. 
And the Biltwell boys, they're going to be taking a set of Pan America, Pan Americas from California to Alaska. So they're going to tackle the top half of the Pan America Highway. I might as well get the bottom half. And, uh, you know, he told me that. And I was like, fuck, you know, like that's a lot, uh, you know. But at the same time, I was like, that sounds better than trying to go back through Central America because that was a fucking shit show. So I pondered on it for a couple days. Finally, you know, I made a call. I call up my buddy Randall. and I'm like, dude, you know, what do you think of this? And he was like, I fucking got you, dude. I got you. Let's make this happen. I was like, oh, shit, you know, like that's the support I needed. Now I just got to get my wife on board. And I wasn't sure how to, you know, how do you fucking tell your wife that the trip's not over? You're going to go to the bottom of South America. And uh, that's where I left you guys off was like pondering how to go about telling my wife. Well, luckily for me, I guess, uh, you know, we were there on Easter weekend and the beach was crowded with a lot of people. We were the only fucking white people there. The only gringos, if you will. So when the beach cleared out on that Monday, we were going to get some drone footage since I had these guys to help me out. And some uh, I found this palm tree I was going to jump with just like some natural obstacles around it. So we did. We got some drone shots on the beach. Uh, and, then, and then I set up the fucking jump. You know, like I got... I got cleared out, got a GoPro set up. I got them running cameras or, you know, just running their phones. And then I go back over to start the bike and it just doesn't fucking start. You know, I turn it on, hit the button, nothing happens. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, you know, it wasn't doing anything at first. And then I'd hit the start button and I'd hear the, you know, like we turn the bike on, you know, the computer does its thing, the, the uh, fuel pump kicks on and then it, you know, once it pressures up, it stops. But then I would hit that start button and the, the fuel pump would kick on again. And I'm like, maybe, maybe it's not getting enough fuel. You know, like maybe, maybe something's clogged it up. And, uh, you know, then I'd let it sit for a while. I'd go back and just chill on the beach, go back over there, press the button, same thing. And then after a while, I'd press the start button and it would make like a, a weirder noise. You know, my Fuel pump was always making a weird noise, and then it, but then it would make like a. I'm like shit. Well, maybe, you know, maybe the fuel pump is the problem, and uh, so we get it. We get it in some shade. I lay out a tarp uh, and take off the tank and pull the fuel pump, which I'd already done. Luckily, because when I had Chemical Candy Customs paint those flames on it, you know, I took it over to Moose's shop, Moosecraft. We took apart. The tank, took the tank off, took everything out of it. So I'd done it before. You know, the fuel pump comes out the bottom. It snakes its way in there. And uh, anyways, we do that on the beach now and pull the fuel pump and it's clean. There's like, you know, there's, I mean, I don't know. There's nothing. I, I even took it apart, you know, pulled some clips and like probably went a little further than I should. And then while I was in there, I was like, fuck it. Let me take this the top off the airbox because the airbox is underneath the tank. You know, every time I take the tank off, I look in the airbox and clean what I can. And that airbox was filled with shit, dude, like fucking dirt, sand. I mean, it was not pretty. All this shit had gotten by the filter, which I was not stoked about. Uh, but I cleaned all that up, and hence the reason I hit up Nick to build me a mud flap for the back of that front fender to, you know, catch as much debris as possible. And, uh, Anyways, I clean all that up, and since the fuel pump looked fine, I put it all back together, 
and then uh, turn the bike on and I press the button. Now, if you'll remember, I've been having battery problems, right? So on the computer screen, it tells you the voltage readout for the battery and it's like 14.4. You know, some mornings though, when I'd wake up, <clears throat> it, it'd be like, or 14.4 when it's charging. Uh, but I would turn the bike on and it would be like 12.1, 12 12.0, and it would have trouble starting. And really that, that could be what I'm facing here is like just a battery that's quit working. Uh, that, I mean, that is a real possibility that I just replaced the battery. Everything's fine. But so I put the bike back together, right? The pump back in the tank, the tank back on the bike. I turned the thing on, pressed the button. When I turned the bike on this time, the fuel pump did not make the same weird noise that it had been making. It made a noise, like it turned on, but it wasn't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you haven't heard it, but my bike specifically was making a really weird noise, like so much so that before, well, well before this trip, I took it to a dealership and had them listen to it. I think even in Idaho last summer, I was like, hey, you guys hear this fuel pump? They're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but you know, it's been working, but now since I took the fuel pump out and then took it apart and put it back together, it's making an even different noise, but it doesn't, it's really, it sounds now like it should, but that might mean that it's not working at all. So I turn the bike on, press the starter button. It fucking doesn't do nothing. And at that point I'm like, I'm stuck, you know, like I don't, I mean, what do I do? I'm on the fucking beach in Costa Rica. So uh, my buddies, Terry and Trace, they know some people and they reached out to this Frenchman who's got a flatbed. We talked about just putting it in a truck, but most of the trucks in Costa Rica are pretty fucking small and, uh, you know, and then we also talked about going back to where they stay in Tamarindo and getting a trailer and coming back, but that would have put us driving for a long time and, you know, uh, not looking good. So I reached out to some people on my end as well. Uh, they found a place for me to store the bike. Anyways, we got the bike towed by the Frenchman. The Frenchman shows up with a flatbed. We roll it on there. I ride with him all the way to Tamarindo, which was like two hours. This fucking Frenchman, he was hilarious. He's been down there for a while. He speaks French and he speaks uh, Spanish or Tico or whatever the fuck they call their language down there. It's like a, you know, it's a little different than what they have in Mexico. Um, and, uh, dude, he was a trip riding with him. We get like an hour down the road and he makes me, he, he pulls over and makes me go in and buy him some beer. And I'm like, this is a fucking trip, dude. And I get him some beer. We're driving. He At one point, we're going down this road. What was cool is going down this road that I came in at night and seeing like the mountains that we climb and all the farm fields. I mean, Costa Rica is like a fucking little Texas on the beach, dude. There's like rodeo grounds, like they have rodeos every Saturday night. My buddy Terry was telling me that we got to go to a rodeo at some point because they are fucking wild. He's like, dude, and at any point, you know, you got like the, the rodeo clowns, but at any point, anybody from the stands can get in the pen. They don't like police it. They kind of like, encourage it from what it sounded like so anyways riding around this frenchman and checking it all out was pretty cool <clears throat> at one point he was like this cow got in the road and he was like you know like cutting horse and you know cutting back and forth keeping the horse in front of us dude or the cow in front of us it was it was pretty funny anyways we get to tamarindo or actually it wasn't really tamarindo they got a friend that lives a little bit north of tamarindo and he's got a fucking gated property around his house, and then he's got these two giant pit bulls. 
So at that point, we, uh, we offloaded the bike and just spent like an hour cleaning it, you know, just running water all over it, getting the sand and all the salt water off of it. And then uh, I used a bottle. Trace had, what did he have? Trace had a bottle of OWD-40, sprayed the chain, sprayed the brakes and the calipers and anything that might rust. Uh, and then we got a, like a bike cover for it and wrapped it up. And I called up Randall, got a flight home, and I had a day. We had the rest of that day to uh, to fucking kill, man. And we went back to do this place. This, this so there's like this hotel in Tamarindo that my buddy is like. It's like their uh, little hangout. It's called Via Amaria, and it's right on the beach, right in front of the best surf break on the beach, dude. And they have like this outdoor courtyard area with like an outdoor kitchen. There's some lady doing massages. There's chairs and places to chill everywhere. And like an, uh, the outdoor kitchen and then like an outdoor like kitchenette area with like, you know, a fridge and a place to store your beer, dude. And anyways, that's like where they all hang out. And then we went by, uh, actually on the way there, we went by this place called Che Boards, with their, which their friend Juan Diego uh, owns and runs and they build fucking surfboards like it's a fucking legit so he's got like a storefront at the front of the place and in the back he's got like a full-on manufacturing spot where he's got like six seven eight eight dudes back there shaping boards man they make the boards for i guess a company called lightning bolt surfboards and they make their own boards he makes boards out of wood he's building terry a new stand-up paddleboard that's another thing is i uh I caught my first wave. I went out on the surfboard a little bit, but the, you know, fucking, I ain't much of a swimmer in this wave. was a little bit tough to catch where we were camping. But I got on Terry's paddleboard and caught a couple of really good waves. And, uh, you know, it was pretty rad. But they're building Terry a surfboard, and I got to meet Juan Diego and the people that work there and check out the facility. Sweet board collection, dude. And everybody's got motorcycles, so they got bikes parked in the shop, outside the shop. I saw Trace's bike, Black Betty, which is like this fucking, you know, it's like a end-of-the-world Mad Max fucking Honda. And, uh, dude, super rad people. So then we go to the hotel, I get checked in, and man, dude, there is a ton of people out there surfing, and the waves breaking just right. The tide had just come in and was going back out, and uh, dude, it was fucking rad to see. Now, speaking of this tide, one thing: sitting on the beach for three days, contemplating life and, and surfing and hanging out with these surfers, was like watching the tide. So where we were at, it was this giant beach area that was like really shallow. And each day the tide would go in and out almost 100 yards. And watching the tide and watching where the moon was at and seeing how all this shit works together, you know, maybe the acid helped as well. It was really enlightening to see how, and then, you know, talking about the wobble of the earth and how the fucking, you know, the ocean is more fluid and follows the gravity of the moon and I don't know, I, I feel like I have a deeper understanding. I may not be communicating it the best, but I do understand how this works on this planet a little bit better now from my time on the beach. But seeing these dudes out there surfing these waves, there's a bunch of dudes right outside the fucking hotel. I mean, it was, it, was, it was pretty fucking cool to see. There's people doing surf lessons everywhere. There's fucking women in thongs everywhere. Pretty epic fucking spot, man. And... Uh, yeah, watching them catch the waves, fucking, 
you know, Terry gets his shit, Trace gets his shit. Then Juan Diego shows up with his whole family. He's got a wife and two kids, uh, I think a six and a seven-year-old. And those two kids were out there fucking ripping it. At one point, I see... And okay, so before they show up, there's a bunch of people out there surfing, you know, like a lot of learners, a couple of guys that are really good. And then Terry, my buddy, and his friend friends show up, right? Terry's on the stand-up paddleboard. Trace is on a wicked little board. This guy named Josh was on a longboard. And then Juan Diego and his wife and his two kids, they all come out to this break, and they just own it, you know, like... They're all, like, these people, they do this all the time. They know where to be. They know where how to catch the wave. So, like, every good wave you see, it's, like, one of these people in this group. And there's probably, like, 30 other people out there that are, you know, not catching waves as good, you know? The first thing they do is roll up a giant fucking joint, smoke that up. Everybody gets on the level. They go out there and just fucking own the situation. And, you know, there's too many people out there for me to go be fucking around and I and I really enjoyed just watching you know watching them communicate with the water really or just like be a part of that situation like I have a whole new respect for surfing and you know it's not like skating where that fucking concrete wave is in the same spot every time and it's all up to you like now you know surfing you gotta you gotta be looking ahead you gotta feel the you got to see and know where the water's going to break. Put yourself in the right place at the right time. Be Have your momentum going in the right direction at the right time. And seeing them all go out there and just own this fucking surf break was really fucking rad. Like, at one point, uh, Juan Diego's wife, Mariah Kay, and the two boys were surfing on three of them on the same fucking wave, man. I was like, damn, this is so fucking rad. Now, I didn't get to see Juan Diego surf because... His youngest boy, six, is like, you know, he wanted a little, you know, he wanted a little hand. So Juan Diego's out there kind of like, you know, showing him some tough love while at the same time, you know, helping him get on the waves. And, you know, in, I could see him, in, you know, working on instilling the confidence in his son so that he can do it without his dad. But it's a pretty gnarly wave for a fucking six-year-old, dude. And the kid was killing it. And his older brother was really killing. I mean, his older brother was out there until it, you couldn't fucking see anymore. And he was just hitting every fucking wave. And, you know, he could paddle so fast, like he'd ride a wave to the shore and then just be right back out there, right in the right spot. And he kept getting further and further and further out uh, as the, the tide went out and the wave started breaking right. Uh, dude, it was just a fucking really cool thing to see. And, and then their friend Josh, dude, Josh went out there and, and I had just met Josh. I didn't really like, you know, he had a white t-shirt on a longboard and I, and I didn't see him anymore after that. And then all of a sudden I'm like on the beach and I start seeing people like stop and look. And here comes Josh from the back, dude. And this was the fucking, I got goosebumps now. So dude, the dude, he's, you know, there's a lot of people out there and he rides this wave from the back and I swear he's like slaloming around all the people you know, that are out there with their boards in the way, but he's not like moving much. I mean, he, well, he's moving. He's like walking back and forth on this longboard, like stepping on it in the right place to make it turn just, just enough. Like the, it almost looked like he was going in a straight line, but he was slightly, you know, swerving around all these people with like the most grace you could ever possibly do it. It was it was something else to see. And when I noticed that everybody else was seeing it, like, oh, dude, it was pretty fucking cool. And he rode the wave all the way in. And, 
you know, I fucking gave him a high five and I was just like, damn, you know, this is, it was too fucking cool. And then Terry's in the back. So with a stand-up paddleboard, you know, he's, he can get a little bit more minimum going, uh, paddling with his paddle, you know, instead of just hands in the water. And so he can catch the wave from the back and dude, he rides it all the way in, tries to do like some kind of fucking kick flip at the end. Oh my God. It was, uh, that was a really magical fucking sunset, seeing all those dudes out there surfing. You know, it made me want to fucking get out there in the water a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I, I did enjoy just, like, witnessing it and seeing them, like, really just own the situation. Uh, I wish I could have seen Juan Diego surf. Apparently, he's a badass. He's been doing uh, a lot of foil boarding, which is, like, you know, the surfboard with, like, a fucking fin with an, a cross fin down below it to where he's out there, he can pump through the water where his board's not even like on the water. Like he can, he can surf a wave all the way to the beach, stay on his board and go all the way back out without, without ever like having to get on his chest and paddle. Pretty fucking wild from what I've heard. Actually, I saw a video of it, but I didn't get to see him do it in person. But Juan Diego, he is like a, I think he's from Argentina. He's the one that has the spot, Che Boards. Another thing I learned about Che, you know, Che Guerrera, you know, we, we've always looked at him, or not maybe we all have him, but he was like some fucking commie dude. But really, to those guys, he was like a fucking outlaw going against the regime, you know. And uh, sure, he, he was fighting for a party that not me specifically don't really believe in or a system that has been proven to not work. But he was an outlaw for the people, you know, and... And they look up to him a lot. So, you know, I don't think Che Boards isn't about, like, communist fucking boards. It was, you know. What's funny is him and Che, from what I understand, Juan Diego and a friend started up another board company. I can't remember the name of it. But they made boards. And then they would make their own boards that they would just kind of refer to as their personal boards as the Che Boards. Well, then soon, you know, the people of the area or, you know, surfers just started saying, Hey, I don't want one of those boards. I want one of the Che, one of the Che boards that you guys make. So that's kind of how Che boards, uh, was born. And that name was given to that company. But, uh, you know, Juan Diego, he apparently he's, you know, a really fucking rad dude. I mean, the, I guess the government of El Salvador is trying to, uh, build their tourism around surfing and, one of the cities I happened to ride through was called Surf City. Now, when I went through, it was like the fucking, just the middle of the fucking Easter rush. So there was a ton of fucking people, uh, not necessarily surfers, but, you know, they're trying to make Surf City a fucking sick surf spot. And apparently it's got a good break. And they've been bringing Juan Diego and his buddies up to like, you know, to ask their opinion on what they can do to make that a you know, a hot spot to bring in surfers. So, you know, if the government of El Salvador, who has a fucking, you know, a gang of thugs that rounds up the MS-13 when they get out of hand, uh, and they're reaching out to fucking Juan for advice, I think that's, you know, it's pretty cool. He must have, a, you know, he's got quite, quite an influence, if you will. But anyways, we hung out. They served till you couldn't fucking see anymore. And then the guys decided to take me out to dinner to a place called Patagonia. Now, Patagonia is like an Argentinian steakhouse, dude. We're like, I don't know if you've been to like, the closest thing I can think of is like Texas Day Brazil, except for 
Instead of like you picking what you want, they just bring out a fucking giant plate of meat. And it was like, it's probably one of the nicest fucking restaurants at Tamarindo. And we show up. I don't even have fucking shoes on, dude. But they see Juan Diego and these guys and they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We, you know, we just walk past everybody waiting in line. They, I guess the restaurant, Argentine, Argentine or Patagonia, name of the restaurant, is, 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 uh, right next to a sushi restaurant. They're owned by the same people, and they're like, fuck it, come on over here, we're going to seat you in the sushi restaurant at the, like, the best fucking table we got and serve you guys steak at the sushi restaurant. Dude, and it was absolutely amazing. Oh, my gosh. We fucking, we ate so much food. And, uh, dude, we were going to go get, like, they have this fucking ice cream sandwich place that, like, makes uh, waffles and then puts ice cream on them and makes a giant custom ice cream sandwich. But after we ate all that fucking meat, it was like, no fucking way. So, uh, dude, had an amazing evening. Those guys treated me right. And, uh, you know, we got my bike stored, stashed away safely. And the next morning I had to catch a flight. So Trace and Trey uh, hauled me to the airport and I flew home. Now, uh, the bike. The bike's fucking, you know, it's not starting. Uh, at some point, I don't remember when I had reached out to, I guess when I got back is when I, no, no, I think I called up, uh, I called up, my buddy Zach at Grand Teton, Harley Davidson, and told him what the problem was. I took a video of all the codes my bike was showing and sent that to him, and he was like, I'm on it. Well, at the same time, I sent an email to the people at Harley Davidson Corporate, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, they've been trying to like, you know, I don't know. We've been trying to negotiate something where we could both help each other out, just haven't really come to any firm agreements, and they're not, you know, it's corporate, you know, I'm not a real corporate person. So, you know, we've been trying to make something work. Nothing's really happened, but now I'm broke down in Costa Rica on this bike. So I sent him an email. I'm like, Hey, I need some fucking help. Uh, you know, I got, you know, I got to, what can you guys do to help me? You know, uh, you know, they want to help. They really do want to help, but you know, there's a reason they haven't like sponsored anybody to ride the Pan America down the Pan America Highway because it's sketchy as fuck. They need like kidnapping insurance or like, you know, just the liability connected to, you know, having somebody on their team ride through these countries. Uh, you know, that's just a big country. I get it. They can't do it. So, so I sent them an email though asking like, hey, I got these problems. What can you do to help me? Uh, they're like, oh, well. There is a certified Harley technician in San Jose. You should take your bike there. That's what we that's what we that's what we think is your best bet. And I'm like, I don't trust the certified technician in Dallas, Texas, you know? Like I'm not fucking hauling this bike 4 hours away to give it to somebody in Costa Rica. I'm sorry. I'm just not that's not what I'm wanting to do. So luckily, the guys at Grand Teton Harley-Davidson, they fucking get it, dude. They get it. Greg, uh, Greg's the owner, and they're the ones that I went up and rode with last year in Idaho. Rode over from Sturgis, did some epic fucking riding on the way there. On my, I went and saw Mike and the Moon Pies, dude, at the Brom Brothers Festival. Rode through the fucking Salmon National Forest. And then went down and met them uh, in Idaho Falls. So they got the Idaho Falls dealership and then they got Grand Teton, which is more of like a t-shirt shop, but that's like 
you know, their main branding unit, this Grand Teton Harley Davidson. And anyways, we shot a video. We talked about the Pan Am. Uh, Greg gets it, dude. You know, he bought the first two Pan Americas that showed up at his dealership so that they could ride them, so that they could break them, and so that they could fix them, so they could have the experience and be able to share that with everybody else that rides through that area and possibly does something to break their bike, you know, like hits a fucking truck or rides it through a fucking boulder field, you know, like super rad dudes. So when I told them that I was having troubles, they fucking jumped on it, dude. They were like, dude, we got you. We're going to do everything we can to get you back on the road. And really, they didn't even say that. That's just what they've done ever since I fucking made the call, which has been awesome. So, you know, I sent them all the codes while I was down there, and I told them, I'm flying home. Let's get these parts rounded up. Let me know what I owe you, and then I'm going to come back down here. So I get back to Texas, and we're back and forth on the phone uh, talking about, you know, the symptoms that I was experiencing and the codes that it was showing. And, dude, they put together a fucking list. So we think from what they've experienced, uh, they had a bike with a starter clutch go out. Now, the starter clutch is not fucking easy to get to, you know, uh, but that's kind of what we think it is. Now, the tire thing as well, you know, I ha my bike's been in limp mode. Well, apparently there's only two flashes. When you put tires on these bikes, you can flash it to the Anarchy, which is a street tire, or you can flash it to the Anarchy Wild, which is a more aggressive tire. And then that has something to do with, you know, syncing up the speedo to the size of the tires, the anti-lock brakes, you know, like there's, there's a lot of sensors and computers on this thing. And when you put something on there that it's not fucking suspecting, which I did, I put on these uh, Moto's Adventure tires, which are kind of like a cross between both tires, it was throwing a lot of things off. And that could be, you know, the cause of a lot of my problems is the computer having to overwork and compensate for some weird fucking readings that it's been getting the whole time. Or it could be a fucking battery, you know, like could be a weak battery making all this shit happen. Uh, you know, you've had a battery go out where like the bike turns on and you press the starter and it just doesn't do anything. I mean, that could be it. But Finding a battery down there. I mean, I bet I could have found one. That, you know, and there's part of me that feels like my approach was a little bit lazy about fixing the bike, but at the same time, uh, I was realizing that I am fixing to ride all the way to the bottom of South America. And I needed to go home and tell my wife about this shit. So, you know, I kind of just took advantage of the bike not working. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go home myself and get the parts. Shipping's not great down there. And, uh, you know, I got people like Randall willing to help me out and make this happen. So let me go home, regroup, talk to my wife, and talk to these guys at Grand Teton who are fucking helping. So they sent me a care package, dude. And not, I mean, they sent me a love package, dude. They sent me the, the parts to do the starter clutch, the specialty tools I need to pull everything apart to replace the starter clutch, which is fucking rad. Uh, they're sending me tires, uh, an oil change kit, you know, just everything I need. Now, remember I told you I pulled the fuel pump apart, you know, and it didn't make the same noise when I put it back together. Uh, they couldn't get a fuel pump. It was like, they're like, you know, the, it says it'll, they're on back order till August, which may mean September, October. And I'm like, all right, well, let me make another phone call. So I don't know if you guys remember this guy, I was giving a hard time about buying a Pan America and taking the motor out and sticking it in an FXR. Well, I met him in Daytona, Sean Jackson, 
super rad fucking guy. And he is on team Get the Fucking Pan America to the Bottom of South America, right there with me and the Grand Teton guys. So I told him about my fuel pump situation and how I couldn't get one. And he was like, no fucking problem, dude. He pulled the fuel pump on his tank. And, you know, and this is a part he may end up fucking needing for his build. You know, he's going to try and do something with a Sportster tank or a Sportster fuel pump and a custom tank. But, you know, anyways, he pulled the fucking fuel pump, stuck it in the mail and sent it to me. So, you know, hats off to that dude. His name is uh, on the gram is Action 88 Jackson, I think is what it is. Uh, but him and the dudes over at Custom or uh, Competition Distributing, super rad. They build parts. They're, they're hooking me up with shit that they've got, and I can't be more thankful. So I got all those parts on the way. I hit up David Brown over at Brown Cycles about the battery situation. I'm like, you know, here's what it says I need. What brand? What do you suggest? You know, I got everything. I was just like, I want your best opinion on this. You know, what battery should I take down there? What's going to be the best thing to do? And he, you know, he looked at some options, and he told me, dude, it's the same battery as a such and such Sportster or Road King or whatever the fuck it was. He was like, but really, go to the dealership and get the battery there. Unless you want to run uh, a lithium battery. And I'm like, well, what's your opinion about a lithium battery? He's like, man, I don't have enough experience to say yay or nay. Uh, it is lighter, and, you know, that's where the technology's going. Uh, but, you know, tried and true is what they offer at the dealership. Like, that's going to be your best bet. So... After this, I'm going to a dealership. I'm going to get a battery. Uh, I need to confirm exactly what kind of chain's on there because I think I probably should take a chain with me. And, uh, you know, gathering fucking parts, you know. And then I came home, and I, I wasn't sure how to, like, drop this news on my wife, you know. Like, this is pretty big, you know. Like, I mean, she thought I was going home after I got to Oaxaca, you know. And I told her I'm going to Costa Rica. Now I get to Costa Rica, and... Fuck, now I'm going to the bottom of South America, dude. Like, holy shit, this escalated quite a bit. You know, like, I did not plan on any of this. And uh, anyways, I order on Amazon a book called The Longest Line on the Map, which is a book about why the Pan-America Highway was built or the conception of it and, uh, you know, it, where it wasn't built, why it wasn't built, you know, the countries that got behind it. And... Uh, and sure enough, that book, I'm sitting at the dinner table with my wife and kids, and we're talking about the trip and things to come, and, and the fucking UPS guy shows up, my kid runs out there and grabs this box, comes in, and I open it up, and the box is that fucking longest line on the map, and I'm like, all right, this is as good a time as any, and I break out that book, and I'm like, all right, so, this, this, I think this is where the trip's going, and she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well... I'm on the Harley-Davidson Pan America, and I rode the Pan America Highway down there, and our friend Terry pointed out that I should probably ride that motherfucker all the way down, and I think it's good, you know, like nobody's done it yet. Uh, I have, I got support from people like Randall Wiley and Grand Teton Harley-Davidson, and uh, you know, you know, the, you know, I've had a couple people ask, like, why isn't Harley sponsoring you, you know, like, why, blah, 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 I was like, whoop. Their fucking hands are tied, and, you know, I'm not doing it for the people that own Harley-Davidson right now or work. You know, I'm not doing it for them. What I'm doing, I'm doing it for my shovel head and the heritage that's behind that bike. And, you know, just showing people that it's fucking possible. And I believe it is. And, 
I'm going to fucking go for it. So I kind of explained this to my wife and she's, you know, she's fucking badass. And she's like, all right, well, let's fucking do it. So that was a big weight off my shoulders, just like going over that with her and getting her support and having that to continue on. And uh, it went it went really well. So now, on Monday, me and Katie are going to fly back to Costa Rica. I'm going to let her hang out at the Hotel Villa Amaria on the beach, uh, meet my new friends. I'm going to fix the bike, thanks to the help of Grand Teton. And then she's going to fly home at the end of the week, and I'm going to continue on. And the next, next stretch is going to be from... Uh, Costa Rica down to Panama, where I hope to go visit Rob Rouser, who has also been a ton of help on this trip and helping me navigate and pick ways to go. And uh, he should be in town on the 10th. I want to go see him, sit down, hopefully do a podcast at his place, check out his fucking super secret surf wake, skate, surf fucking spot. And then I got to figure out how to get across the Darien Gap. Now, there's multiple ways to do it. I can uh, put my bike in a container and ship it across and then fly over myself. I can put my bike on a plane and fly over. I think you have to do it separately now, whereas years ago, you used to be able to put your bike on the plane and get on the plane and fly over. I can also find like a pirate. You know, there's a couple of options to put the bike on a boat and then, you know, get on the boat and go over together, which is you know, which is kind of intriguing. I like the idea of that. Uh, there's a girl named uh, Norley. Uh, she goes by Itchy Boot. She's got a great YouTube channel. She recently came up, and she took a couple small fucking boat rides, like boats that I wouldn't dare put my Pan America on. She put her Honda on, and she came up and around the Darien Gap uh, from, like, Nekalee over to uh, Capragana, and then Capragana over to... I think it was like Palink Cologne or somewhere else. And then she rode from, I think it was Porto Escocesa. And then she rode over to Cologne to get her bike imported and continue on up through Central America. Now, from what I've seen on the internet, uh, you know, travel has been kind of fucked for, from COVID the past few years. So what it looks like is, there's not like a stable pirate or, you know, boat situation like there used to be. There used to be a boat called like, uh, oh, Stall House or Stall Right, I think is what it was, that, you know, consistently took people up and down the Darien Gap uh, with quite, with good reviews and, you know, consistently helping people out. Now, that's kind of like... One of the captains that used to, the stall right like went to Europe or something. Now that the, one of the captains that was on that boat is running another boat. And there's been some kind of mixed feedback on whether that's the way to go. Uh, but yeah, so I want to go down there and figure out how to get across the Darien Gap. I'm hoping to get down to Medellin, Colombia, where there's a Harley Davidson dealership that my buddy visited a couple months ago. Uh, and it looks super rad. The guy looks like, uh, he's got a collection of old bikes, and I'm hoping that they will appreciate the Pan America showing up and let me store it there while I fly home to do the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival and then fly back afterwards and continue on south. Uh, you know, and this is all going to have to be kind of fluid, you know, like 
uh, I didn't plan to go as far as I've gone already. You know, I guess I, a couple weeks before I left, I kind of like thought I probably should go down there and talk to my buddy Terry. And then, you know, it happened. But I also got to go down there and get the bike running. Um, and then, you know, the other option is to ride through the Darien Gap, which is, you know, there's a reason they haven't built a road because they feel like, I think Columbia wants to build a road. Panama is like, no. If you build a road, build it to the border. We're not, we're not connecting our road to your road because they feel like it's just going to make it easier for <clears throat> drugs and human traffickers to get through. Now, they say if you do find a road that's been cut through the Darien Gap, uh, it's because you know drug smugglers or human traffickers have been using it, and you probably don't want to use that road. Uh, now, there's been people that have gone through the Darien Gap. Like, in the early 90s, a guy went through it on a fucking BMW. Uh, I think in the late, early 2000s is when Wolfgang from WW Cycles did it. He did it on a fucking pan head. A fucking pan head. If you happen to be an El Diablo run like three or four years ago, that's when I met Wolfgang, and they had that fucking bike there. I mean, it was like a fucking dirt bike they built with a pan head. And there's pictures of him with, like, this tribe of Indians, like, pulling it up these fucking mud slick hills and, like, you know, ropes and pulleys across fucking rivers and shit. I mean, it's a dense fucking rainforest. Uh, the guy who did it on the BMW in the 90s, he talks about, like, you know, each morning waking up and fucking macheting, you know, a mile or two, then going back to his bike. And he said the only reason he made it is because his bike was kickstart. You know, he'd kickstart his bike and ride it as far as he could up the, you know, the path that he fucking macheted. Uh, and he had a friend with him. He said he couldn't have done it without his friend because, you know, it's mud, slick, there's fucking hills, there's rivers. Uh, you know, why wouldn't I go through that? Well, it is fucking the beginning of rainy season, and I don't have a kickstart on this fucking bike, and I'm already having starting trouble, so uh, I'm probably not going to do that, you know? I'm probably going to take a, you know, find a pirate to get me from Panama to Colombia where I can continue on. Uh, and if you look at this on a map, uh, it doesn't, you know, when I look at it on a map, I'm like, dude, it's not that far. I think, I think I could fucking find a way through this dense fucking jungle. You know, the, there's a road that takes you to a place called Yavizia, Yaviza. And uh, it's at the end of this fucking river. Maybe it's the beginning of a river. I guess it's the end of like a, uh, a bay that comes in from the ocean on the, uh, what's that, on the Pacific side. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really just going to play it by ear. First thing is to go down there and get the bike running and then go see Rob. I found a shipping country, a, a company that... It's got a couple dates where they're shipping out next month to go from Panama to Colombia. But, you know, that'll, be, that'll take more time. I think it's the cheaper way to do it is to stick your bike in a container and ship it over. But it's, you know, then I'll have to fucking fly on an airplane. And, you know, I'm already going to be doing enough flying. It'd be cool if I could find a boat to put the bike on and go across. You know, supposedly the boats that go, you know, you... It takes two days. They, like, go a certain ways, and then they stop somewhere. Like, there's a bunch of, like, communities along the ocean that you can only get to from, you know, by boat. And they stay the night in those places and then continue on to Colombia. Uh, 
which is really what I'd like to do. Um, you know, if anybody has any connections or way to make this happen and experience, I am all ears. You can email me at dan at danger dance talk shop. And, uh, dude, I can't wait to continue on this journey. I'm going to try and get better at filming and capturing some of this stuff so I can share it with you on social media. I've been writing everything down. Hopefully, uh, maybe there's a fucking book in the future. But for now, I'm going to send, uh, you know, short stories about this trip to Chopper's Magazine where he can put those out and, you know, use the photos that I give them and you guys can follow along in Chopper's Magazine and on the podcast. And I, see, I foresee a lot more of these solo, you know, rants of me just kind of fucking talking about how I've gotten to wherever the fuck I'm at and uh, doing updates that way through the podcast. So uh, if you want to support this adventure, go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com, sign up to be a patron. Uh, I've got rad people that are supporting me as well, like Lowbrow Customs, who will fucking be giving out a $100 gift card each month to one of you lucky patrons. And uh, man, pretty wild how this trip down to Oaxaca turned into a trip down to Ushuaia, Terra del Fuego, the end of the world. I'm going to go have a beer at the end of the world where the dolphins turn to penguins and you can see Antarctica. Fucking insane. All right. Tune in next week. See where I'm at. (laughs)